Welcome to our podcast. I'm Keith Loy, the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Thank you for joining us. And it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. If you're a guest, we want to say welcome. We're glad that you're here. We've been in a series now for, this will be the fifth week, talking about the Holy Spirit. And uh, I'm hoping this has been not only, if you will, appreciative, maybe instructive, but it's been somewhat life transforming for you, that you're starting to learn some things about the Holy Spirit. I want to say again, it is not my hope in this series to, to try to go what some people call deep. I think that's the problem. I think what some people think they know about the Holy Spirit has caused more problems than it is good. And, and, and they think that somehow that education is transformation when at least comes to the Holy Spirit. If I just have this deeper intellect, understand at least what you think it is. But today I think is really, if you will, the fullness. We're pretty much right in the middle of this series. And I think you'll understand in a moment. Last week we talked about some things that the Holy Spirit is not. And, and it was crazy how many people have written me uh, either via text or email saying, this was, this was one of the best that I've ever heard. Now, I don't say that to bring any attention. I think it's just the sheer fact that it took some, if you will, some weight off people to realize that the Holy Spirit's not weird. People are weird. And weird people do weird things. I, I don't know why we attach that to God. And, and what's really sad to me, if you Google Holy Spirit weird, it, it, will, it, will, it will probably break your heart because it's amazing how many pastors entitled their, their sermons that. The Holy Spirit is weird. And it, it breaks my heart. It just breaks my heart. Because they attach things like they would talk about the fact that when Jesus healed someone, I mean, that's just weird because it's not normal. So you define what's not normal as weird. I, I just want you to think about that for a moment. And yet, as a child of the king, healing somebody should be as normal as breathing. Can I tell you what weird is? That it doesn't happen as normal as breathing. I'm just calling it what it is. Because it was Jesus said, listen, greater things you will do than I. And I think that's why there's a destructiveness in our world when people think that the Holy Spirit's weird. The Holy Spirit's not weird. People are weird. The things of Jesus should be as common as every day of our lives. And the reason why it isn't is because we're really not walking in the Holy Spirit. We're just not. We're living more like the world than we are the word. And I always say this, and I don't say it to be any disrespect, but I'm just saying the only letter different from world and word is the letter L. And you know what it stands for? Loser. You lose every time when you try to be a Christian like the world. We're supposed to be different people because this isn't our home. It's just not our home. When the Holy Spirit comes in, it changes us. And historically speaking, that's what the world, that's why Christianity just exploded because these people were so different. And the world would call them weird. But the unsaved people, or the saved people didn't see it that way. We're not weird at all. We're being just like Jesus. And it was contagious. 
It was absolutely contagious. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go to 1 Corinthians 13. And, and some of you might be going, oh, they read that at our wedding, you know what I mean? And, and probably if, if, if that's great if it did. That was cool. But it wasn't written for, for marriages. It was written for God's wife, his marriage, the church. And as you're going there, I want to read you a story. And it was about a little girl. She's 13 years old. Her name is Jamie. She was in an accident. And in the result of the accident, she lost her arm. Imagine a teenager this was tough, knowing her entire world that she had known had now changed. And even as a young teenager, beginning to wonder, how might her friends now receive her, if they might at all? Her mother, who had been watching and listening to her during her rehab, wanted to help. So she called her Sunday school teacher and asked if he would be really careful as she started coming back to church that you would do nothing to draw attention to her, just allowing her the time to navigate her now very changed world. Of course, he promised. But when he got sick on Sunday and called a substitute, he forgot to pass on the parent's request. Thus, at the conclusion of the lesson that day, the substitute led the class. Here's the church. Here's the steeple. Open the doors and see all the people. You can picture this, can't you? A little one-armed teenage girl. Tears filled her eyes. But it was only for a moment when little Mikey came across the room seeing her, knelt beside her, and with one of his own hands, he grabbed her hand and together they made the church. They made the steeple. They opened the doors and saw all the people. Now, I love this story. The story that moves my heart. I'm saddened because I think in our world today, we're not really understanding the power of the Holy Spirit and how the Spirit actually leads in the true evidence because what I love about this story of little Jamie and little Mikey is it's really not just a picture of the church. It's the real thing. That's the church. It's when a white person gets up and walks across the room and hugs a black person. It's when the 80-year-old comes over to the teenager dressed in gothic black with nose rings and all of that stuff and says, I'm really glad that you're here. That's the church. That's the church. Anything other than that is not the church. If you disagree, I will share with you what Jesus said. And the world will know who my disciples are, how they love one another. Not the Bible they know. Not how they drive with a little fish on their sticker on their, on their back of their car. Not how they give. It's how they love. The evidence of the Holy Spirit. And Paul is going to nail it to the wall. See, when I was growing up, we learned a little song that I'm saddened when music gets old. See, that's another part that it's always hard in my heart right now. I'm saddened that the younger generation thinks that what God wrote before is crap. And so we have to write new stuff and then we have to keep writing it because it has to be fresh and new. I'm just being honest with you. I'm okay that you like style, but I got to tell you, 
To me, worship never goes out of style when it comes to Jesus because it's not about a style, it's about the heart. Love it. But I'll also just say this is true. It really banes my heart when I hear the older generation think that all Jesus ever sang was hymns, okay? I'm just being upfront, calling it what it is. And they'll fight for that and they fail to understand a new generation. See, I think it goes hand in hand, but it comes to love. Love doesn't demand its own way, that's what Paul says. Love is always kind, love always forgives, love this kind of love, and yet we miss the most important part of this passage, we'll come to it in a minute, but there was this song, and, and, it, was, and it was these words. Some of you will know this if you're my age or older, and they will know we are Christians by our love, by our love, and they will know that we are Christians by our love. I remember that? But that was the chorus. This 70s song that actually came out in the late 60s, the first verse was what? We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. And remember the next words? And we pray that our unity would one day be restored. Think about that, meaning that it's not right now, people. And they'll know that we are Christians by our love, by our love. We are one in the spirit. See what I love about the story of Jamie and little Mikey and the words of this classic song. I believe this is what Jesus had in mind when he said, I will build my church. This will be the church and the gates of hell will not prevail. The incredible power of the evidence of the Holy Spirit, love. That's really the evidence of the Holy Spirit. You can speak in tongues, have not love. You can know all the mysteries, have not love. You can tell a mountain to move from here to there, have not love. People be impressed, but God's not about impressions. He's about the intimacy, the real thing, the evidence of the Holy Spirit. See, when God's people are led of his spirit, the result is love, but it's not any kind of love. It's a radical kind of love a counterculture phenomena that grips the world like nothing else. Love, the evidence of the Holy Spirit, the most beautiful, the most powerful, and the most lethal expression that God has ever given. And the world goes, I want that. Remember when we talked about LUI not being DUI? We're not to be a driven People, we're not driven under the influence. We're living under the influence. This is what Jesus said, folks. Love each other just as much as I have loved you. For when you demonstrate this kind, the same love I have for you, you love one another. Look what it says. Finish it with me. Come on, church. The world will know that you're my true followers. This is how the world knows that we're different because we're living under the influence. And because we're living under the influence, we're loving under the influence as well. Because we're going to need the spirit to love in a way that's just different from the world. I, I want to look at first Corinthians 13. I want you to see what Paul writes, but as you go there, Maybe you might remember out of the 1965, a girl by the name of Jackie DeShannon. Y'all know the song I'm thinking of? What the world needs now 
is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just too little love. That's right. This kind of love that God, it's just, my goodness, this is what the world needs. The world needs. The world needs this kind of love, the evidence of the Holy Spirit. Look what Paul writes. If you've got your Bibles, 1 Corinthians 13, we always talk about the middle part, but it's, I believe, the first three that are most significant. Well, let me set this up because it's so important you get it. My, my uh, seminary professor called this part of the Bible God's, if you will, God's uh, uh, hamburger. Because 1 Corinthians 12, he talks about the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14, he continues on with the gifts of the Spirit. But right in the middle, he gives us the meat. 1 Corinthians 12 gets a lot of attention. So does 1 Corinthians 14. But those are really just the bread. The meat's in the middle. And here's what, it, here's what he says. Verse 1. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others. Look what he says. I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. <laughs> if I had the gift of prophecy... And if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, imagine that. And if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others, I would be nothing. Nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would gain nothing. Nothing. Think about that. Folks, let me say this. The gifts of the Spirit without the fruit of the Spirit, the first being love, cease to be spiritual gifts. They're only gifts then. The power of the Spirit is founded on love. I know this to be true because Jesus said, you will come to me one day and said, did I not prophesy in your name? Did I not cast out demons? And he'll say, I never knew you. Never knew you. That's why you, we need to understand the power of what this is and what it means. But we're not talking about any love. We're talking about a radical kind of love, a radical kind of love that if you and I are not living under the influence of the spirit, we won't be loving under the influence of the spirit, which means it's no longer a radical love. It's just worldly love. You know, a love when it gets his feelings hurt, you pick up and just move and go somewhere else. It's just that kind of love. Anybody can do that. We're supposed to forgive the way Jesus forgave, a radical love. We don't say, well, you don't know what they did to me. Doesn't matter because you never forget what you did to him and why he went to that cross. It's a radical love. This is what the world will know. We just do things different. We do it according to the word of God. You might want to write this down. What we do and what we know is not nearly as important of why we do what we do. I'll say it again. Some of you are going, I can't write that fast, okay? What we do 
and what we know, think about it, what we do and what we know is not nearly as important as why we do what we do. I'll say it again, and I'm saying this kindly, but what we do and what we know is not nearly as important as why we do what we do. And how often people want to show how smart they are. And yet Jesus said, but your hearts are so far from me. Your hearts are so far. It's that old adage that comes from, from centuries ago. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Radical love. Radical love. No wonder why Peter wrote these words, love each other fervently, passionately, intimately. You know why? He says, because this kind, this radical kind, covers over a multitude of sin. In other words, it spends more time saying, I care more about the sinner than the sins they commit. And yet what we do is we spend more time worrying about the sins than the person that Jesus died for. So I want to give you two characteristics of God's radical Holy Spirit living love that requires the Holy Spirit. And when I really say this is the evidence of the Holy Spirit, here's the two things and we'll pull them apart, write them down, okay? This kind of love goes above and beyond. Say that with me, above and beyond. Say it again, above and beyond. I'm going to pull them apart. So here's the first one, because here's what Paul said. Paul said in Ephesians three, God's love, God's love for us always goes above and beyond. God's love always goes above and beyond anything that we can ever think or even imagine. His love always goes. It acts differently than what human beings will think. Here's the first one above meaning this kind of radical love is not conditional. It's what? Come on, it's what? Which isn't normal. Even in the church, I see, I see the normal, but not the radical love. Like, I love you if. That's conditional, folks. I love you when. That's conditional, and it is so everywhere. It's just so weird. I used to love them. You kidding me? Used to? Wow, that's good. You might want to be careful with that. Here's why. Because Jesus said, I will love you the way you love others. Oh, you used to? I used to love you too. You laugh. Jesus said, I will treat you the way you treat others. I will forgive you, Jesus said, the way you forgive others. Those are not options. Those are emphatic statements. And the reason for that is because it's not about you in the sense of the unfairness. It's because you're not living according to the Holy Spirit. Because when my spirit comes in you, he will convict you. You've grown silent to the conviction. My Holy Spirit will come to you. He will guide and lead you. And you've been disobedient. You have numbed yourself to the Holy Spirit. And if I could play in this, that's the unforgivable stuff. When Jesus says, blast me, the Holy Spirit. 
You're forsaking the very power and the gift that I gave you. Even if Jesus was in your presence physically, you'd be denying him. Because Jesus said, it's best I go away that the Father would send back the Holy Spirit. See, his love is not conditional. So in Luke, if you were to go to Luke chapter six, literally, here's what Jesus says. He says, no, 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 listen, listen. Let me tell you what this love is. He says, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. And in our world today, we're like, are you kidding me? And Jesus goes on and says, listen, listen. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. That's not radical love. And some of you might be going, how in the world then? How in the world do we love like that? It's real simple. It's called the Holy Spirit. The evidence of the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit that made Jesus so different. It was the Holy Spirit why Jesus loved children, lepers, women, Samaritans, thieves, everyone, even those who killed him all at the same time. It was the Holy Spirit. He just loved as the Father loved. When you and I die to ourselves and we claim to be a follower of Christians, we're now to live like Jesus, right? Well, if we're to live like Jesus, then we're supposed to love like Jesus. And the way we love like Jesus is through the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit within us. This kind of love then is unconditional. There's no strings attached. It's just radical Holy Spirit living love. And Paul says what? And the fruit of the Spirit, remember I told you the word fruit is the substance. When you have the Spirit, it will get expressed in love. A radical kind of love. Listen to this story. True story about a group of college students who were touring the slums of their city as part of their class. One of the students, seeing a little girl playing in the dirt, asked the guide, why doesn't her mother clean her up? She's covered in dirt. And you might think, well, of course, kids play. She'll probably, that'll, that'll happen. The only problem was, is they'd been touring. They'd been there for quite some time. And she knows this little girl was never getting cleaned up. Watch what the guide says. Young lady, first of all, I'm sure the little girl's mother really loves her. She just doesn't hate dirt. You see, you hate dirt. You just don't love the little girl enough to go down there and clean her up yourself. And so until you hate dirt and then love that little child the same passion, I'm pretty sure that little girl will remain as she is. Here's something I, I've learned in all my years of being around followers at Jesus. They really hate sin. They just don't love the sinners enough to do something about it. It's just easier to sit in a coffee shop and talk about how bad everything is. I know that you might think that hurts. I just have to say it as it is because here's what the Bible says about God. He demonstrated his love towards us 
and that while we were still sinners, here's this radical love. While we were still sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. While we were still in the dirt, he came down and crawled into our dirt and cleaned us up. While we were hated, he loved. A radical kind of love. That's the church. It goes above and yet it goes beyond. And here's beyond, meaning it's non-contractual. It's not just unconditional. It's non-contractual means, again, there's no prenups in this thing. And yet I contend that a lot of people, when they come to the church, don't get the church because they already put the prenups of it. I'm just being up front with you. We spend so much time, I hear people talking about why do I go to church? Because I like, I like, I like, I like, I like, which is really clear. The moment you don't like, don't like, don't like, you're gone. That's an easy one to figure out. But here's a thought for you. If you found out this morning that I'd had an affair, would you go out and talk about it? Number two, would you leave this church? And either one of those would be sin and wrong. Because first of all, you're judging by the sheer fact, especially men in this room, because I'm pretty sure you've looked at another girl who you're not married to and had thoughts. And so you're judging the action, the sin, not the sinner. Because you also don't believe that you've all fallen short and you think you're perfect because you still must make, make no mistakes. Number two is this is a connectional system, which means we have a district superintendent that would come in and he would probably remove me for some period of time because restoration is more important than condemnation. And number three is if you left, you're bailing on everybody else in this room, which means you've never been a team player and you're not fighting for the church. And every one of those things I can show you is biblical. Now, I know you're all waiting for me to drop the bomb, right? <laughs> you're going, oh boy, he's coming up with something. Been here a long time. Well, if you're thinking that, it's probably because you're the one that's guilty. Because it's not true. I'm just saying in our world today, we see a lot more of that and it breaks my heart. That's contractual love. Jesus doesn't love that because I would say this, if what I share with you is true, here's my question. Does God still love me? Then why wouldn't you? It, it's crazy how we are that we're really not fighting for the bond of unity. We're fighting for our understanding. Some of you are offended right now. I, I just sense it in my own spirit right now. That saddens me. But this is what I'm talking about, people. The evidence of the Holy Spirit. This is the real stuff. This is what we're talking about. That we really care about the things that matter to God. It's not conditional and it's not contractual. 
We don't have these prenups. We don't have these signed covenants. We don't do that. And Jesus says this, watch this. Back to Luke six, here's what he says. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other. I'll come back and explain that in a moment. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do not demand it back. And some again, we're probably thinking, are you kidding me? How do we do that? The Holy Spirit. Jesus goes on and explains then, if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. So lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Now, with that being said, I need a loan from somebody in this room for about a hundred grand. And so I, I just, I'm just kidding. Okay. Anybody need a loan? Someone here? To, anyway, but, but no, I'm not saying that. But, but I, I remember a pastor one time told me, and I thought I'd share it with, he said, you know, when Jesus said, slap you on the cheek, give him the other cheek, he wasn't saying the other cheek. He was saying this cheek. He said, because it's, it's softer, there's padding there. And then whoever's offending you, it'd be like them looking into a mirror. So he said, that's what he said. Anyway, um, <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not, but folks, this is radical stuff. It's radical for even me to be preaching and teaching right now because I've been guilty of the wrong love. Don't think I'm sitting here judging, but this is radical kind of love. It goes beyond it's impossible kind of love. And you know what Jesus said? You're right. It's impossible to man, but all things are possible to God. That's why I gave you the Holy Spirit. That's why I gave you the Holy Spirit. So we can love out of something more than ourselves. God's idea. It's demanding. It requires us to go against our natural inclinations, to go against our own selfish desires. It requires us daily, as Jesus said, pick up your cross and die to your will, to your desires, and let the Holy Spirit have its way. It, a love that goes above and beyond. Anything less is not the Holy Spirit living kind of love. Chuck Swindoll tells of a very personal story of when he ran into an old Marine buddy of his. During the exchange, Chuck learned that he had come to know Jesus after he had been discharged. Chuck mentions how surprised he was because this was the one guy who cursed loudly, fought hard, chased women, drank heavily, loved war and weapons, and hated the church. Listen in Chuck's own words, how he talks about this moment. After we'd talked a while, my lost friend put his hand on my shoulder and said, you know, Chuck, the only thing I still miss from my old life is the old fellowship I used to have with all the guys down at the bar. I remember how we used to sit around and let our hair down. I can't find anything like that among Christians. I no longer have a place to admit my faults and talk about my battles where somebody won't preach at me, frown at me, and quote me a verse. It was another month later that when I was reading, I came across this profound paragraph. The neighborhood bar 
is possibly the best counterfeit there is to the fellowship Christ wants to give his church. It's an imitation, dispensing liquor instead of grace, escape rather than reality, but it is permissive, accepting, and an inclusive fellowship. It's unshockable. You can tell people secrets and they usually don't tell others or even want to. The bar flourishes not because most people are alcoholics, but because God has put in the human heart the desire to know, to be known, to love and be loved. And so many will seek a counterfeit at the price of a few beers. With all my heart, the writer concludes, I believe that Christ wants his church to be unshockable, a fellowship where people can come in and say, I'm sunk, I'm beat, I've had it. I think why Cheers was such a big hit for so long is because it was a group of misfits. They made us laugh and yet we could all relate. No one in there had it all together. They all brought their odd realities into the room, completely different, and yet they felt they were the same. And so we would laugh, and maybe if we were honest, we would hope, we would wish, we would long if something like that existed today. There's just something about it, isn't it? Now, before you take up arms and shoot me, okay, for comparing God's church to the corner bar, just allow me to offer some expensive considerations. We live in a very hurting, struggling, daunting time. Is that fair? Anybody in this room lost someone because they took their life? Know somebody? Has anybody lost the death of someone sooner than it should have been? Or know somebody? Does anybody know someone who their marriage had come apart and you thought it would never happen? Anybody know someone who has a wayward child and they're hurting deeply over it? An addiction that came out public and cost them all of their credibility? Folks, we live in a very very daunting, hurting, struggling world. Consider right now some of the deepest of hurts that people might be carrying in this room. And yet they're still carrying it alone. And there's a reason for that. They don't know where to go. They don't know whom to share. They don't know any safe place even this morning. And they're sitting around us, let alone imagine what people are carrying who aren't here even today. It's been said that the church often shoots their wounded rather than rehabilitates. I don't know if I agree with that fully, though I have seen semblances of it. But I have to ask, what kind of church are we? Can anyone share their battles, frustrations, their sins? Do they have phone numbers of which they feel safe to call as well as confident if they do 
nothing confessed would be shared with anyone else. Are we the church that what we do and what we know is not nearly as important as why we do what we do? Love, unconditional, non-contractional, love that will go above and beyond the evidence of the Holy Spirit? Are we living under the influence of the Holy Spirit and are we loving the same? We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. And they will know we are Christians by our love. It's the evidence, people. I've asked Chris to come and lead us in communion as he does when you leave. I love reminders. So I had a bracelet printed up for you. I like wearing stuff like this as a reminder. It says L-U-I, above and beyond. You don't have to take it. I hope you would. Slip it on your wrist and every day when you wake up, say, I'm going to be living under, not driven under. Father, as we close out and come to communion, this is really what it's the essence of. You were a love that went above and beyond. No greater love that you would lay down your life and you did. While we were still sinners, a love that came from above, a love that always goes beyond. God, I need help in that. That's why you gave the Holy Spirit. That's why you put the Holy Spirit within me in anyone who really truly surrendered their lives because we can't do this without the Spirit. So God, we just pray that today that you would help us. We would hear your voice speak to us. We'd never be the same. I hope you will take what you just heard and apply it to your life. If you need prayer or simply want to connect with us, our website is celebrate.church. We're also on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. We hope you listen again next week.